This podcast is brought to you by JBL. Employing the best methods and tools, audio technology is at the core of everything JBL creates. Never straying from a ground-up approach to everything they build, JBL has produced a prolific list of audio achievements, groundbreaking technologies, and revolutionary advances in the art and science of professional audio. JBL, passion for sound and those who create it. Learn more at JBL.com. Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Enjoy. Hey Jeff, how's it going? Good man, how are you? A little bit behind. Um, <laughs> uh, how have you? How have you been? Oh, pretty good. Just. Uh... You know, yeah, everything's cool as far as I as far as I know. So I've pretty much just not left my five block radius for the past year or so. <laughs> Welcome to discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield, and this week we have drummer Ian Chang discussing Dawn of Midi's 2015 release, Dysnomia. Thank you for sending this one. Um, uh, you know, you sent this record for me to check out, Dysnomia by mm-hmm. Dawn of Midi, and it was a record that I hadn't heard before, and and not even a, a band that I'd really sort of checked in with. So, it was um, a that was a real treat, and it was such a, a fun, refreshing listen. Um, but we'll get we'll get to my my stuff later. Um, but you know, why why did you choose this record? Um, you know, I was, uh, well, it's a record that I've loved and listened to a lot since it came out. Um, shoot, I should know the year off the top of my head, but it's probably 2000, I think 2015 probably. Yeah, 15. So I remember, and it's actually kind of funny because, um, the first time I heard sort of that band, and this was before they had put out the record, it was a show that I was playing at uh, Littlefield in Brooklyn with a band called Father Figures, and Rafik's band was also playing on the same bill, and Don of Midi. And I remember there was like no one there, and um, hearing this band basically perform sort of an, a nascent version of what you hear on Dysnomia, I just remember being completely floored, and um, it was one of those things where I was just like, damn, like, I wish... I'd come up with it <laughs> or, and um and so I didn't know those guys at all and I actually barely barely knew Rafiq at the time this must have been 2014 or 13 or something like that maybe maybe even 13 but um, my understanding is that they uh uh Don of Midi uh, they are friends from college um they met at uh Cal Arts um where they went to all went to school and I think the concepts for the record were sort of inspired by uh away drumming um which is sort of like a traditional uh drumming practice and and like very deep kind of tradition from uh Ghana which there is someone I guess at CalArts who is teaching it um 
and I wish I knew the name off the top of my head, but I know that Akash, the bass player, and Amino, the the piano player from Dawn of Midi, were studying this music. So I think that was like uh, conceptually uh, the the piece, and I call it a piece because the record kind of is one long piece if you kind of listen to it, um, was uh, inspired by a lot of those ideas. And um, But yeah, that's kind of how I came upon it. And over the years, we've been... Um, sort of have kind of gotten to know those guys and they they opened for Sunlux on a tour um, a few years ago and so I got to hear the music nightly which was really cool and kind of get get inside of the, the different parts because the the record as you hear it is actually exactly as they play it down live it's uh it's it's through composed I love a lot of things about this record you know one of them is is that I, I love the role of the piano and how it's the real bridge between the drums and the bass. I mean, if we all know the piano is a percussion instrument, but rarely do you do you get to hear it used in a way. I mean, if you've seen videos of them playing, I mean, he's got his arm on the strings inside the piano and he's playing with one hand. And there's a real blur between the tone of the bass, the acoustic bass, and the drums. And the piano is is walking, in, you know, to me, is walking between the two worlds and playing a really non-traditional role. And, and it just blows the idea of the traditional, quote, jazz trio out of the water. Totally, totally. And it's interesting because they, I know, as a, like, their history as a band, they used to do sort of fully improvised sets and stuff like that. So for them to kind of commit to this concept and and create like a through composed piece that long and, and um, I don't know, work with such uh, minimal ingredients um, and even like on their instruments in a way like they're, they're all doing like really interesting and kind of different things with their instruments, but they're, they're not like trying to like trying everything under the sun for the piano you know what i mean it's kind of like uh really hyper focused on like this concept of muted strings and kind of different harmonics that he's able to get by like moving his hand around on the the strings while he's playing the piano and i think maybe for me it like really hit really hard because um i spent a lot of time thinking about sort of um making music with an extremely wide array of sounds. Like I work with a lot of samples and stuff like that. So to, to kind of encounter something that um, moved me in this way that was just so minimal and stripped down and yet strange, you know, and you can't like when, like I remember when you first heard it, you were texting me like, like what is the instrumentation? <laughs> you like it's like kind of hard to even like tell what's happening, even though it, it's, you know, they, they, the way that they do it is pretty straight up. Um, like they're not like putting their instruments through effects or anything like that, you know.
know, some of these new bands, your stuff included, the blurring and the, the, the osmosis that's happening between genres and players and like, you know, our record collections are so much more eclectic than those of our parents, you know, it's like, we love John Coltrane, but we also listen to Aphex Twin or we're listening to, you know, Radiohead for a super obvious one or... You know, I, I just feel like there's so much more blending of all of the influences in a way. And even to filter out last year, I was, I took this extensive trip and spent time in West Africa and a fair amount of time in Ghana and, and was actually on the beach with these guys drumming. You know, to see how they put it together, you can listen to um, recordings of that stuff but it's so interesting to sit in the middle of it with a drum and have the guy being like you play this part and and seeing all the elements combined and when you said that I was like oh it totally makes sense because it's it does remind me of that but I didn't get that wasn't my first instinct when I heard it totally and I don't think it's it's obvious sort of um, you know it's it's pretty I think it has more to do with like the approach and um, concepts of you know cyclical interlocking rhythms that kind of morph and stuff like that and um, and also I think a lot what a lot of people don't realize about um, at least a way drumming to tradition is that like sometimes it might sound like especially like the lead drum part that sort of sounds like it's soloing a lot of the times it's actually like a lot more um, what's happening is a lot more locked in than what people might assume from listening um, and thinking that it's like someone just like kind of kind of improvising and blowing or whatever but a lot of the times like the um the cadences and all the rhythms are, are all kind of uh, predetermined um, there are a lot of tracks on this record that that do this and have this vibe but like for example that tune nicks on here um the first thing i thought of was steve reich again it's 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 the super cyclicalness of the of the all the elements and the polyrhythms and um just letting there's so much patience in this record they let this stuff really develop and it that's why it has this sense of electronic music to me and they're playing with that intent of looping and sequencing and stuff because things develop very slowly over time um and really getting you the sense of being lost in the in the in the amidst the music you know mentioned that this record sort of stands on its own as a whole and I agree but are there moments that really stand out to you as favorites? I mean I really do love it as a whole and that's kind of how I see it but I think uh, the track you just mentioned Nyx is a really good sort of entry point for anyone who might be listening and curious to check it out because that's sort of I would describe the as the banger on the on the record <laughs> Um, like that segment is just so satisfying. Um, so I, yeah, I'll check that out um, if, if anyone's curious about it. Um, but yeah, really from top to bottom, that's kind of the best way to, to 
to listen to it. And I, I love how it's sort of, um, and I think this is a byproduct of how minimal it is um, and how it doesn't really, like, like at least when I listen to it, I don't really think about like harmony or melody or anything like that. It's very, um, I love how it's kind of like you can, you can paint your own story to it, if that makes sense. Like it's kind of like a, it's so, it's almost like kind of devoid of, of any like strong emotional sort of um, dictation, if that makes sense. But at the same time, it's something that you can kind of put on, you know, either if you're like driving somewhere or like, I don't know, it's like in a lot of situations you can put it on and it can kind of accompany um, your experience in, in, in different ways. I don't know if that makes sense, but. I've, I've found that to be the case for me with listening to this, like I'll listen to it in a lot of different situations and it, it's uh, once calming and both like kind of fits in a lot of different ways because it's so kind of um, unassuming, I guess, in a way. Yeah. for your imagination which is such a that's such a gift and it's super hard to do i mean it takes a lot of nerve to put a record out that has that much sort of uh space yeah <laughs> space and, and 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 room for interpretation i mean it's wide open yeah yeah i i love that about it too and speaking of courage like it definitely took courage for them to make this and one thing that people might won't know sort of listening to it is that they actually um, and this is something that I felt like take, took a lot of courage for them is they've recorded it once um, and like basically like put, got it very close to the finish line and then decided it wasn't right and like went back to the drawing board and kind of changed certain things about I think the, the composition and then redid the whole thing which is something that I personally could not imagine doing. <laughs> see this record influencing what you do which is uh for those that haven't seen Ian play I mean your drum set is a it's a melodic sound palette you know I Mm -hmm. mean you have you have such an interesting setup and a unique approach to drumming and music I mean I think it I would like for it to influence what I do more in the future um I don't know if I've necessarily 
I did just do a remix of the ending kind of felt very influenced by, by what, um, what they were doing. But yeah, I think it's probably more subconscious than, than sort of on the surface, the ways in which, um, this record is particularly influenced what I do, um, with my work, but, um, it's something that I'm always sort of returning to for inspiration, if that makes sense, kind of, um, maybe not in a super direct way, but, um, I've, I've found it as like a very anchoring thing to kind of listen to, um, sometimes when, when I'm feeling lost, when I'm making stuff and like reminding myself that it's like, oh yeah, like with a very few ingredients, um, you can create like this whole universe, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And again, I think revisiting that idea that there is space to sort of fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. um, I've always found that really an interesting thing in some of my favorite songs, you know, that there were no background vocals or harmonies. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself filling in the blanks as you're driving along or listening. That's um, kind of a gift to the listener. Totally, yeah. And it, it is like sort of a, like the degree to which they committed to this idea um, is rare uh, in terms of like being making like something that feels this agnostic, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, it's very Zen to me kind of like, it's very, it's very kind of a, yeah. A very like we've, we've been saying like just very open and, and uh, generous in that way. something that they are pursuing kind of to further this idea or was this a one-off project that's a good question as far as i know it's it's a one-off thing i think they're pretty much done after this record i don't know if there'll even be another dawn of midi record uh, even if it doesn't uh, look like this or sound like this Um, i know the guys have all kind of moved on to doing uh, their own things so uh I hope there's more, but yeah, as far as I know, I, I'm not sure that there will be. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, Rafik said that the piano that this was recorded on is sitting in his living room in New York. <laughs> Wait, really? the The piano that this record was recorded on, I didn't real I didn't realize that because I know he has a piano in his room. I mean, in his living room, but I didn't realize that that was the one that recorded this record. That's really funny and I feel like I should have known that but now I do through you.
Thanks for listening. Discussion is created by Tape Op, the creative music recording magazine. Free subscriptions are available at tapeop.com along with our regular podcast and online content.